In today's world, it is confusing and difficult to obtain the necessary things to ascend. I would like to share with you my inner circle and team, where we are all consciously ascending. Through health, wellness, nutrition, and financial means, there is no boundary or limit that my team can't achieve. Upgrade your network, upgrade your health, upgrade your finances. Healthy mind, healthy body, healthy soul. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Ascension Show. So glad to have you on today. Hope you had a great New Year's. We're doing an in-person podcast with my buddy Matt Shields. Thank you so much for coming on, dude. I appreciate you spending the time. Thanks for having me, bro. Super excited for this. Yeah, awesome, man. Uh, could you give a short little introduction about yourself and what kind of what you do? Yeah, so I'll keep it as quick and efficient as possible. So my name is Matt Shields. Long story short, I left school after ninth grade. I dropped out, absolutely hated it, made my parents cry and worry a ton. But those few years following me dropping out, age 15, 16, and 17, I spent a lot of time by myself, as you would imagine. And throughout those years alone, I started to retrain my brain to start thinking for myself. And I think that's one of the biggest lessons I've learned up until this point of my life is you need to start thinking differently than everybody else because thoughts determine reality. And so if you think like everybody else thinks, you're going to have the same reality as everybody else. But most people's realities suck. Let's just be real. Most people's realities are not inspiring. They're not exciting. They're not fun. So I spent those years alone. I hated it because I was lonely and I wasn't learning. I wasn't, I was just doing terrible shit. But can I cuss on this podcast? Yes. Okay. (laughs) My apologies. But I started to think for myself. And that led to me taking a very non-traditional route. When I was 17 years old, after spending three years away from basically everybody I knew, except for a few close friends in my basketball team, when I was 17 years old, I bought a course on the internet. It was uh, how to start an SMMA, how to start a social media marketing agency. It was a $597 course. And all my friends were going to schools. All my friends were going on visits and tours for football, basketball, or just going for academics, checking out these schools. And when I would go over to hang out with them, their parents would ask me, so, you know, Matt, where are you going to college? What's, what are you doing? What's your plan? I would say, oh, I'm not going to college. I'm going to figure out how to make money online. And they wouldn't show it, but I could tell deep down they were like, this kid's <laughs> like he's this, uh, these, his parents must have just messed up with him because he's screwed. And I remember seeing that look on other parents' faces. And sometimes, if I'm being honest with you, I would see it on my own parents' faces too. And that worry in other people, that concern that other people had for me, it just created this sense of drive of like, all right, I have to prove everybody wrong because everybody thinks I'm going to be a failure. Everybody thinks I'm going to be nothing. Everybody thinks I'm going to be average at best. And I hated that. So I bought this course. I started a social media marketing agency. All that really is is a company that runs Facebook and Instagram ads for other local businesses like gyms, real estate agents, dentists. We run those Facebook ads that you might see from time to time and we generate them customers. I've gone on to build eight agencies. Um, I'm 22 now, so it's been about five years. 
Now we have about 40 team members. We do about 400 to 450K a month. And as much as that is beyond what I ever thought I would achieve and probably what anybody ever thought I would achieve, I still feel like I'm, I'm just getting started. So that's my story. That's the synopsis, at least. I'm so glad that you chose to jump right in, man, um, because this is where I wanted to go. Yeah. Because, um, you know, you have your internet friends that are about the same thing, like internet money, making money online. Yeah. Um, and it's really hard to come across these types of people in your in-person life just because it's so few and far between because you're really an outlier in a sense. Um, and so I really like how you went to the aspect of everybody thinking that you're fucked because you decided not to do what everyone else is doing that doesn't yield great returns. Like you don't, it's, it's an interesting concept now because I think it's a generational divide. You don't really need that higher education to have that success in life because mm -hmm. the internet blew the roof open. And there's an endless amount of ways to make money. There was an endless amount of ways before, but now there's just an even more endless amount of ways to make money. And you show that that's possible. And I think there's something really significant about how when you put yourself under pressure like that, you really found the drive and the motivation and the discipline to say, oh, yeah. shit, like I have to take action now because these people are watching me and you led by example and to show what's really possible. Yeah, it's it's Newton's first law. It's the the I know you're about to get a science lesson from a ninth grade dropout, but stick with me on this one. Newton's first law states that an object at rest will stay at rest unless acted upon by an unbalanced force. It's the law of inertia. It's also the law of momentum because the second part of the law is an object in motion will stay in motion unless acted upon by an unbalanced force. Right, If you roll a ball down a hill, it's not going to stop unless it hits something. And that's where we want to get. But most people are a ball at the bottom of a large uphill, and they're not moving because nothing has put them into motion. Most people are objects at rest. Whether that's politically correct to say or not, that's the reality. I was an object at rest. Mm -hmm. I woke up every day, and I couldn't seem to break through these imaginary walls in my head. And it's because I wasn't being acted upon by an unbalancing force. I was staying in rest because as the law states, I was not being acted upon by an unbalancing force. That force became for me, my parents saying, Matt, you have 10 months to figure it out. I was 17 years old. I had just bought this course. They said, you have 10 months to figure out how to make money from this, or we're kicking you out, or you're going to figure out how to go to college or whatever. And college was not an option for me. It was like, there was no, oh, I guess I could just go to college if this doesn't work. It wasn't an option. I would, I would have died before I went to college. Seriously. Going and working for somebody else, same thing. I would have died before I had to work a corporate job or work in and out. I wouldn't have done it. I would have ended up on the streets before I did that. So there was no plan B. And that's another really important thing is giving yourself no other option. No scapegoat. Like I have to make this work or I die. Like that's how it felt for me. It was my life was on the line. So I got my ass into motion because I had an unbalancing force. And ever since, I've just been following the law of momentum and I'm staying in motion until I get acted upon by an unbalancing force in the opposite direction. So what was that like for you? You're kind of put on this pressure to show everyone that you can do it and also your parents giving you this obligation and then you telling yourself that there's no other option. So how was that for you in that 10 months to really dial in and take what you learned from this course and make money off of it? Looking back, it was the most trans 
transformational 10 months of my entire life. I was working 70 hours a week as a 17-year-old kid. I was working harder than anybody I knew, any adult, any any friend. I was I was working my ass off and I was loving it because I like I was starting to get into motion. And so I was getting all the benefits that come from getting into motion. I was getting outside my comfort zone. I was learning how to sell. I was learning how to run ads online. I was learning these new skills. I was getting these new experiences. And I started to realize slowly but surely I was becoming different than everybody else. We're all different than each other, but we get conformed, right? That's what school is. School is just a conformity uh, box. Like that's all it is. It's just, it's just, What's, what's the right word for that? I don't know. We'll call it a conformity box for now. That's what school is. It's taking all of these individuals who are different through their very nature of the way they've been created and then trying to make them as alike as possible. And so going on the path of business, I started to realize like the things that I became passionate about, the things that, that felt true to me in my mind did not ring true to my friends or my friends' parents. When I would talk about business with them, when I would talk about making money, when I would talk about success, sales, whatever – they'd all kind of just like laugh it off and like go back to playing video games or some bullshit. Like, and I was like, but I, I know video games aren't the answer. I know chasing girls that you don't even actually care about is not the answer. I know spending all your time on social media, comparing yourself to these other people. I know that's not the answer. So maybe I've discovered the truth for some reason. Maybe I've been blessed enough to where I've been able to realize the truth and I need to go all in on this. So those 10 months were painful they were full of sacrifice, but they led me to a little bit of momentum, and I've just never put it down since. Yeah, I think the first or the hardest thing to do when you're first getting started is getting that initial ball to roll. 100%. Like once you get that momentum, you can compound that momentum. Yeah. And so that's why a lot of people I feel like are stuck. They have goals and they have these ideas for who they want to be or the things that they want to do. But they don't really take action on it because they don't know how to get the ball rolling or they don't want to take the action to get the ball rolling. But that's that's the hardest part is getting started because when you have that momentum, you can really get into that flow state and that state 100%. of being where you can roll the ball and it be natural to you. Yeah, I think a lot of people will relate to this idea of being stagnant. Like I want this life, but I can't seem to get it. I want these things, but I can't seem to put in the work to get those as returns and it all goes back to you don't have a big enough reason why yet it was frederick nietzsche who said the man who has a strong enough why can bear almost any how so if you have an important enough why to do what you need to do you'll go through whatever you need to go through like if a mom's if a mom's son's life is on the line she will do whatever she needs to do to save that son's life whatever the situation is like Flipping over a car. You've heard these stories of superhuman strength, right? If they have a strong enough why, they can bear any how. So I would challenge people who feel stagnant right now to figure out really why do you want to do what you want to do? Get clarity on that. Why is this important to you? And then understand that you will not change if you don't need to change. You don't get what you want in life. That's a lie. I don't know who started, but you don't get what you want. You get what you need. You get what you absolutely cannot live without. And so if people can put themselves in a place where they need the success, that's when they'll get it. If I can tell a quick story on this. Absolutely. JFK gave probably the greatest speech ever when he talked about the moon landing. And he told this story of how America got rocket ships on the moon, how they got astronauts on the moon, whether you believe in the moon landing or not. 
let's tell the story. So JFK gave this great speech and he said, what we did is we threw our hats over the wall. And he told the story of his grandfather who grew up in Ireland. And every day his grandfather would walk home with his classmates and they would find these walls. You know, they're in Ireland. They're in just like the freaking mm-hmm. mountain, like hills, just beautiful scenery. They would find these walls on their way home from school. And the kids, being kids, would climb over the walls. They would see if they could climb over the wall. And then they would find a higher one the next day and they would climb over the wall. And they would try to go climb up all these high walls, right? Just like we try to do in our lives. One day, JFK's grandfather came to a wall that was so high, nobody thought they could climb it. Him or his classmates, none of them thought they could climb it. But they knew they had to try. And so what they did is they took their hats that their moms made for them. That was probably the most important thing on their body was these hats, hand-knitted by their moms, given to them for school, for their uniforms. They took their hats that they knew they could not go home without because their moms would say, where's your hat, right? And they get a spanking, they would get in trouble. So they took these hats and they threw them over the wall. So the only way they could go home is if they returned with their hats. And the only way they could return with their hats is if they climbed over the wall. So there was no other option. There was no plan B. They had to go over the wall in order to get the hats, in order to go home. How can you throw the the hat over the wall in your life right now? What do you need to do to commit to where the only option is success or you die? (laughs) Seriously, like that's what it takes. It sounds intense. It sounds hard, but like it needs, I'm not saying actually put your physical life on the line, but you should put every ounce of energy, every, every piece of sweat and blood and tears into something to where the only option is success or just complete failure. Like there's no plan B. There's no second option. I think that's really going to give some people a kick in the ass, especially considering oh. it's New Year's. Uh, I think something that I, I think about when you're telling me this story is how like if you have a goal for yourself and like for me it's the gym. Mm. I started I started working out cuz I was insecure about my body. I was yeah. I don't I didn't like the way I looked and I was like, okay, so how do I fix it? I go to the gym. And I'm going to the gym, I'm doing, you know, a little program and stuff. And I'm I'm obviously I'm making results and I'm putting on some muscle, but still I'm insecure and I'm lacking the confidence and I just feel like I'm not making you know, the best amount of progress that I could mm. being inconsistent, not going to the gym when I should be going and not doing it to the best of my ability. But then eventually I kind of realized through mentorship and my own trial and error that you actually have to become a different person yeah. in that process. Like you have to change your mind. You have to change your behavior. You have to say, okay, so the version of Steven that is ripped, the version of Steven that goes to the gym every day acts like this, mm. thinks like this, does these things. And then you have to like embody those characteristics. And so then you kind of embrace and you become that new person. And I, I actually made a, a reel about this. Like you enter a state of becoming because you're constantly like creating this version of yourself mm. through that process. Well said. So well said. We always say like from a business perspective, you have to become a seven figure human being before you can build a seven figure business. You have to be it so you become it. And it sounds kind of woo-woo. It probably is, bro. A lot of the answers are woo-woo. They're these cliche-sounding things. The reason all these successful people say the same cliche shit is because it's true, right? So you're right. You have to change. It's like an identity shift. 
Mm-hmm. Like you have to change your identity thus so you can become the person who's able to reap the rewards of whatever it is you want. I like to think about behavior change like this. Okay, it's all right if I don't go to the gym today. I'm not going to die. It's it's all right if I don't go to the gym tomorrow. I'm not going to die. I could not go to the gym for the next week. I could not give up this a day. I could stop. I could keep watching porn. I could keep scrolling on social media. I could keep watching Netflix all day. I could keep eating unhealthy food for the next week, the next month, maybe the next year. But 10 years from now, if I don't change, if I don't give up my Netflix addiction, if I don't stop wanking off, if I don't stop going on social media all day long, if I don't start going to the gym, if I don't start getting uncomfortable, if I don't change, what does me 10 years from now look like? And that terrifies me, Stephen. 10 years from now, being 32 years old and like being addicted to lust or the TV and being eating all kinds of junk food and just being a, a weaker version of myself, it's all right now. I'm 22. I can make every excuse in the books. But 10 years from now, when I'm 32, I have a wife and kids. What is that going to look like? And so if you can put yourself in that state of mind now, you can kind of light a fire up in your ass and say, all right, like we got to make some change. We got to do something. Yeah. They're very well said, man. And I think one thing that I come across a lot is people lack the actual care to change. Mm. And I think it's I think it's based in the comfort, right? Because you're so comfortable watching Netflix and not going to the gym and like eating unhealthy food. Like when you're when you're doing it, I mean, like the unhealthy food tastes good and it like, you know, it doesn't make me feel good, but um it's good to other people. And so that's one thing that I I try to convey to other people is like, how do you get them to care about wanting to make these changes? Because being comfortable is comfortable. Yeah. It's a great question. So again, it goes back to, do you have a big enough reason to actually change? If you don't, you never will. And like, that's okay. Like you don't, you don't need to be a multimillionaire. You don't need to be Arnold Schwarzenegger in the gym. You don't need to be a machine. Like, Jack Harlow said this one time in an interview, and it kind of pissed me off, but I realized it pissed me off because it was true. They were talking, they asked him a similar question, and Jack Harlow said, you know, some people are just meant to be beta. And I was Mm. like, I was like, like, fuck you. Like, you know, like, I was like, screw that, bro. Like, that's such a, that's such a douchey thing to say. Like, my ego flared up. Mm -hmm. I was like, but he's right. He's right. Not everybody's supposed to be great. Some like in order for there to be great people, there has to be average people. And I'll tell you what, some of the most average people I know from society's perspective are some of the happiest people in the world. Yeah. Like if you can become just comfortable and content with what you have and like being who you are and you don't need to do all these good, you're probably way happier than the Steve Jobs of the world and the Bill Gates and the Jeff Bezos. You're probably actually much happier deep down, but you won't be as great. <laughs> so that's yeah. the sacrifice you have to make is what's more important to you. Uh, you don't have to be great. You can be comfortable right now. But for the people who get terrified at the thought of being average, well, you know what you need to do. You need to find a big enough reason why. You need to stop making excuses. And you need to finally commit, dude. Make a commitment. Like, all right, this is the last day. I've heard this said for like quitting things like porn addiction or any sort of addiction, right? The reason people always in back up in the temptation they give back into smoking cigarettes or 
uh, watching something inappropriate online or whatever it is, eating junk food, is because they make a commitment, but in the back of their mind, they're saying, I'm making this commitment unless it gets X, Y, and Z bad. So I'll stop, I'll stop watching porn unless the temptation gets so bad that I just feel like I have to. I'll stop smoking cigarettes unless I get so stressed out and my head starts to hurt that I need a cigarette. I'll give up sugar unless I get to the point where I'm like not sleeping well at night because I haven't had any sugar. And then they make, they already are going into their commitment with an excuse in the back of their mind. Mm. So you have to make a once and for all commitment that no matter what, no matter what, I will give this thing up or I will start doing this thing. No matter what, no matter how I feel, no matter what's happening in my life, no matter what excuses I could come up with, I'm committed to this completely, no matter what, and you can't go back on that. Very good answer. Um, and so also, I've come across people, you know, friends and just people talking to them. They, they want to improve. They want to get better with their lives because they don't want to be average or they just want something to do to, to have a mission for but they're lacking the purpose. They don't know mm. what to do. And that's a tough one too. That is a very tough one. And I'll tell you, I struggle with that a lot because I was so motivated. And like, I, I knew I wanted to do something great. I knew I wanted to have an impact. I knew I wanted to change the world in some way. But I started struggling with like, why? <laughs> why do I even want these things? Like, why, why does this even matter? And I started becoming very nihilistic. And I'll be honest with you, Stephen, for me, the difference maker was finding God. Mm. Once I like once I found God, I was like, oh wait, like it's actually my responsibility to him who created me to be the absolute best version of myself possible. That's beautiful. It's not even about me. It's like he put me here. He gave me this life. He gave me this beautiful thing that I get to experience. And what am I gonna do? Be average? I'm gonna spend God's gift watching Netflix and eating crappy food. Like and once that hit me and once I like actually started to believe in God, I was like, oh, wait, <laughs> like it's our responsibility. As the Bible says, we are to be living sacrifices for God. Paul says something really fascinating. I don't know if it's in Romans or what book, maybe it's Corinthians, but he says, I don't consider my life to be any value on my own esteem. He says, I consider my life to be value only to do the will of him who created me. I'm paraphrasing, but that's what he's, that's what he's getting at. And so that's that's what put a shift into me is like, oh, my purpose, because the word purpose, by definition, etymologically, it's it's a combination of two roots. It's pose, which means to hold, and then it's pure or puree, which means pure. So per piss means to hold purely, to hold purely, to be in your most pure essence. And the definition of the word purpose is the reason for which something is created or exists. So our purpose is quite literally the reason we've been created. If you're an atheist, if you're a nihilist like I was, there is no purpose. There's no purpose because there's no reason for your creation. Your reason by definition is, oh, it was an accident. It was a coincidence. We just ended up here. So you can't have purpose in your existence if there's not purpose in your creation because that's what the word means. So praise God for getting me out of nihilism, getting me out of atheism. And showing me that I am here for a reason. I was put on this planet for a purpose, as was everybody else who's listening to this right now. Yeah, man. That's that's really well said because when you can tap into that energy source and and when you can tap into God, it, it really gives you a reason to be here. You're like, oh, I have to use the gifts that I were get that I was given 
to make this world a better place. Mm. Uh, and you can really, that's where you really get into your why and like your purpose and stuff. Um, and so a lot of people have like, um, I don't want to say religious, but just spiritual uh, holds on their brains because of the things that they were told growing up. Maybe you grew up in the church and you had a bad experience, but like you can, you can find this purpose and you can tap into this energy without having to go into a church. You can, you, you really just have to pick up a book and, you know, like the Bible and read it, or you can meditate on this energy and you can tap into that and you can really get into your purpose because you'll understand who you are and why you're here and stuff. So I think that's really, really important. And it's really well said. And I'm glad you took a turn on this conversation in, in this direction, because last time we spoke was whenever, um, we had that perspective event and we talked about how um, you, I don't, I don't remember exactly what, um, at what point you were in with your spiritual journey, but you kind of talked about um, like we talked about where you were and um, you, I th think you still had some reservations against, I guess, Christianity and God and the Bible yeah. as a whole. So, so how, how has that been for you? Yeah, I probably did. <laughs> I had a lot. I remember I've, I've shared this with a few people. I don't know if I've said it publicly on a podcast or anything, but I remember saying I was I was seeking so hard. And I said this prayer. I said, God, if you can convince me that you're real, you can convince anybody. That's where I was at. That was that was probably like five months ago, six months ago. That's it. I was so skeptical, I was so hesitant about everything. I just couldn't wrap it around in my mind. And then it just slowly but surely, my life started to change. I started to have these, what I would consider miraculous encounters and experiences that I couldn't rationally explain. Because that's where my mind went, is how can I logically explain this? How can I rationally explain this? And I started encountering things that I couldn't. I couldn't. And they were more than just like a typical coincidence. At least that's how they felt to me. And time after time of having these experiences, I just kept seeking. The Bible says, seek and you shall find, ask and you shall receive, knock and it shall be open to you. In Jeremiah, it says, you will find me, you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. A lot of people seek for God, but are you seeking with all of your heart? Are you seeking like it is the most important thing in the world? Because that's what it is. Like if there is no God, none of this matters. If there is God, one thing matters above all, and that's him. <laughs> it's the most important thing. So I just kept seeking. I kept going to church, and one time I had these guys say a prayer for me. They said, God, make make this book come alive for Matthew. Like, Make this book come alive. So when he reads it, he it's, a, it's an alive book. It's not a dead book. And I went home that day, and I was just like fired up to read the Bible. I picked it up, and I haven't put it down since, dude. So... People praying for you is powerful, seeking is powerful, and just being resilient in your search for trying to find whatever this is, dude. I, I was searching for six years, six years of praying, of trying to read the Bible, of it not making sense, of wanting to go to church, of wanting to ask myself, who is Jesus? Six years on and off and on and off and on and off. And then when I finally committed, I said, you know what? I'm going to seek you with all my heart. He revealed himself to me, and, and that was that. That's beautiful, man. It's and it's great that you can have a turnaround from one place to another. Um, like you can be at a point where you're were you atheist, do you say? I was I was I was agnostic about God. I definitely did not believe in Jesus. 
I was really into Buddhism and Stoicism and worldly philosophies, and like I thought those were the shit. <laughs> and I got to the point where I was like, you know what? You know what happened, Steven? I went to my team retreat, and I was talking to my sales manager. And my sales manager used to be a Mormon and a missionary, mm. and now he's an atheist. And so I get to talking to him about God. I'm like, why don't you believe in God? You know, you've read the Bible thick and through. You're a missionary for crying out loud. What changed? And he's like, oh, religion's the biggest scam in the world. He's not wrong. Religion's, um, religion's turned into a massive scam because there can only be one right religion. So that means all the other ones are scams or maybe none of them are right. And that means all of them are scams. I believe, of course, Christianity is true. The word religious is an interesting word, in my opinion. Jesus was condemned by religious leaders. He was killed by religious leaders. He condemned religious hypocrisy more than any other sin. So I don't know if I would call myself a religious man, but nonetheless... He says, oh, religion's the biggest scam in the world. And in like four minutes of talking to this guy, he convinces me there's no God. Or that at least human beings can't, can't begin to know the first thing about God. And that it's all just like made up. And I was like, you know what? You're right. What am I doing? You're right. This isn't real. I'm just like, what am I doing? This is all a waste of time. The next day, <laughs> the next day, I basically just say to myself, you know what? I'm just going to be a good person. I, um, if God wants to reveal himself to me, cool, but I don't think there's actually a God out there. I'm just going to be a good person. I'm going to go on my way doing the best I can. And that's that. I'm not going to torture myself trying to know the most important thing in the universe, which is the creator. And then two days later, I have an experience that literally made, gave me headaches that I could not explain, kept me up all night. I'll spare you the details because it's a long story, but basically he revealed himself to me. And ever since then, it's been that law of momentum <laughs> and I've just been in motion on this journey. Yeah, man. Um, I, for me, it's like I grew up in the church and so like I, I had a little moment of detachment from it and I, I've learned some um, like philosophies from the yoga system um, that I think are interesting and they're not in any way opposed to a denomination. And for me, it's it's always been there. And every day I seek it stronger. And one thing that is really interesting to me is like there are people that I come across that just are way more on fire for this type of stuff than I am. And mm. I would consider myself a very spiritual person. Um like coming across like you you go to Morningstar, right? Those people are on fire for yep. it. Um and I just I can't understand how they get to that point because for me it's like I feel like I'm reaching a point where where it's there for me, but hmm. um like where else do I go? Are you seeking Jesus? Are you seeking God? Are you seeking a higher source of energy? Like, what are you seeking? I'm seeking God and try, seeking the, you know, God is everywhere, right? Mm. God is, you know, you'll, you'll understand when you're tapped in, like you'll see the little coincidences that aren't coincidences that are like God talking to you. Yeah. And I see that. Um, and one of the things that's hard for me is being able to see Jesus or yeah. come to that. Because I don't, it's hard for me to understand that. Yeah. Um, and that's one of the things that I'm working with and trying to understand. Because I see other people are just so on fire for it. 
I'm not talking about like your average uh, go to church on Sunday yep. um, person. I'm talking about people that like this Morningstar church that um, that I guess you're more affiliated with than me. But just for so people <sighs> can know. understand, I'm, it's like it's a crazy place. It's a really crazy place. I had a very cool experience there. Same, um, yeah. yeah, I had a cool experience there, which I it, it's awesome um, details for later. But um, yeah, so you come across this type of like esoteric, um, I don't want to say unorthodox, but just a different culture for a church where it's yeah. kind of laid back and they have this great environment. Um, and if you go there, you'll see like the members there that, you know, they're actually like wouldn't you wouldn't think of them to be Christian. Um and so I see these type of people on fire for Jesus. And I'm like, okay, so like, like where is this coming from? What am I not seeing? Um, because it seems like there's something so relevant about it because these people are so on fire. Yeah. Like they're on fire for Jesus and then they're on fire for their purpose. Yeah. It's, I, dude, I struggled with the same exact thing. I was like, okay, God, I can kind of, that kind of makes sense to me. But Jesus, it, I, I couldn't get behind it. I, it, just did not make sense to me no matter what but i kept seeking and i kept praying this prayer i kept asking god to reveal himself to me in ways that only i could understand and (laughs) i wish i had time to tell you all these stories but i probably don't but let's just say some things happened to me that i just couldn't deny can you share one (sighs) if it's too personal i understand um no I, i i don't mind sharing just trying to think how can I make it as quick as possible? Because I know we're limited on time. So I'll, I'll say this. This was a weird one for me. Because coincidences, you know, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about them. I, I think it's possible that a lot of things happen that are actually just coincidence. And then people chalk it up to whatever their God is that they believe in. But I also think I'm reading a book right now called Miracles Today. And it's talking about just divine healings and interactions and things that happen in the world right now today and have for the last few hundred years that doctors chalk up to actual medical or chalk up to miracles. Medical professionals chalk up to miracles because there's no natural way to explain these things. So I do think miracles are happening in the life today. And this book, Miracles Today, is a really interesting one. Something that happened to me on my journey, I was out to dinner with Kyle and Kayla one night, two of uh, Stephen and I's mutual friends. And we went back to their house after, and we started worshiping around the fire, as they do. We were playing music. We were praying. We were sitting and just meditating and trying to just, like, spend time with God. And it was all very new to me. It was all very uncomfortable. It didn't really make sense. But I was I was seeking because things had happened before that that I was like, all right, I, I don't know what this is, but I have to keep looking. So I'm at this fire with them and we're probably worshiping for like four hours from like eight eight to like one probably like five like i don't know like four or five hours we're around the fire playing music so it's the middle of the night it's like yeah it's like eight to one o'clock we finished at one o'clock and i remember during that worship i was like i was just laying back completely just like flat line like laying my head back eyes closed and i was just thinking to myself like what am i doing I'm worshiping Jesus. I don't even know if Jesus is real. I don't know if I ever can know he's real. I just spent five hours on a Friday night as a 22-year-old kid worshiping Jesus. Like, if this isn't real, I'm going to waste my entire life. I'm going to waste so much of my life chasing this. And 
if it's not real, I'm doing this for nothing. Like, it's, like I feel like I'm either going crazy or there's something here. I go to get in my car at 1 a.m. And I just say a quick prayer in my mind. I'm like, God, show me I'm not doing this for nothing. If you could give me a sign on my way home tonight, like, just that would just tell me I'm on the right path. And I just quickly said that in my mind. And I have mixed opinions on asking for a sign from God. I think, as Jesus says, like, he, the Pharisees would ask him for a sign a lot. And he would say, like, you're not getting a sign, basically. So I, I have mixed opinions on it. But I know that I just spent five hours worshiping Jesus and that, you know. It's fair. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's fair. I, I can't say that. But hopefully he thought it was fair. And so I asked for that quick sign. I get in my car and I start driving on the back roads of like Monroe, North Carolina. There's not a soul around, no cars, no people. It's just the back roads. You're driving through the trees and just the brush, right? And as I got in the car, I put on a song called Yeshua, which is Jesus's name in Hebrew, Yeshua. And the whole song is literally just saying Jesus's name, Yeshua, 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 over and over again, right? And I didn't even realize it. I, like, I didn't realize all the synchronicities, but I had put on that, that song. I'm listening to Yeshua, Jesus' name, just be sang melodically in my car as I'm driving down the back roads two minutes after I ask God for a sign. And as soon as the sound of the song picks up from like Yeshua to like Yeshua, and it gets really loud and like the beat comes in, like the whole thing. As soon as that happens, I'm driving down on the back roads, an owl, a massive bird, I thought it was a hawk, but it's 1 a.m., a massive bird flies out from under the trees, out of nowhere, and flies directly at my windshield, directly at my car, and then at the last second, it flies up. And it was like, I can't explain it, dude, but it was like it was flying at my soul. It was like it like was flying directly into my eyes, and then it just goes up. And immediately, bro, my whole body is covered in chills from head to toe. Like, I've never experienced anything like it. My whole body, from, from feet to top of my head is covered in chills i'm immediately crying like i'm just bawling and i'm yelling like what the fuck what the fuck is that what do you want from me what do you, that's when i started saying i was like what do you want from me what do you want from me what do you want from me and my whole body was just like it was insane dude it was insane i was screaming i was crying i was cussing i was covered in chills and i was just like what was that i went home that night and i just sat in my bed and i was like what was that how do like I've never experienced anything even close to that in my entire life. And now it happens as I'm listening to the son of God's name be sung in my car two minutes after I said a prayer asking him to reveal himself to me five hours straight of worshiping him. I have this bizarre, bizarre encounter and I couldn't explain it rationally. I, I could have said, yeah, maybe just an owl happened to fly out of the trees and fly right at my soul, my big red car. Maybe it just wanted to spice things up for the night and attack my car. Maybe that just happened coincidentally. But it's yeah, well, top of all the other weird instances that have happened to me, I couldn't rationalize it. I was just like, maybe there actually is something there. And this was after a, a few other things happened. Oh, yeah. This was like number five. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that is crazy, man. I don't have a story that crazy. I have people. I know so many people who have stories more crazy, dude. Yeah, and it's I've heard some wild stuff. You know, the Bible says meditate on my testimonies. Meditate on my testimonies. David talks about that a lot in Psalms. So when you're meditating, when you're taking time to yourself, start to think about all these testimonies you've heard and try to rationalize them. How do you explain this? How do you explain 
Like Kyle's told you his testimony. Somebody walking up to him and saying both his grandma's first names. How do you explain that? How do you explain how do you explain all of these miraculous encounters? And if you meditate on them, if you sit with them, you start to say, maybe there's something here. And you seek and you will find. And I promise you, you will find if you seek with all your heart. And it changes you, man. That's, I think, the most yeah. interesting evidence is it changes everything about you, the way you see the world. And it just feels so right, you know? Jesus Jesus was the most important person in history. He's the most studied man in history. He's built the most massive following in history. Maybe that's for a reason. Maybe this guy who only ministered for like a few years. Yeah. Only really is is talked about for a few years, even if that, and gets crucified exactly as it was prophesied in the Bible like he would. Maybe, maybe there's a reason all that happened. So my mind took that and I said, all right, this experience is crazy, but I still can't answer these questions. How do I explain evolution? How do I explain the Big Bang? How do I? And I had to go look at all of that. So I started reading these books about Christian apologetics, which explains the history of Jesus, whether or not he was a myth, what the reality of his nature was, the reliability of the gospels, et cetera, et cetera. And I just studied everything, dude, everything I could get my hands on. And I came to the conclusion there's evidence for, there's evidence against. You're never going to know for sure either way. So it all comes down to having faith, whether you believe or you don't believe. You're having faith that he either existed or that he wasn't who he said he was or that he was. And when I put my faith in the fact that he was God and that he is who he says he was, my life is better. I feel better. I feel more purposeful. Everything gets better for me. When I put my faith that he wasn't, I become I, I become just like, what am I even doing? I become hopeless. Like, what is this all for? It's all meaningless. And my life gets worse. So, yeah, that's my experience up until this point. Yeah, wow. Okay, so... I'm 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 here for this, but I think if there's still listeners and people are people aren't haven't been exposed to these ideas, what would you say to the skeptic after hearing all of this? Yeah. I would say I used to hear stuff like this and I would say it's baloney. Like it's just I don't know. People making up things in their own head, people who are just afraid of death, people who are just lying to themselves or lying to others. Like I just I was raised by two skeptics. Like neither of my parents were Christians and I thought Christianity was a scam and a joke growing up. So I get it. Uh, I get it. I get it. That's what I would say. It's like, I, I understand. I feel you completely. Trust me, however skeptical you are, I probably was more skeptical. But I would just encourage you to maybe give it a shot if you feel called, right? At the end of the day, it's it's your life. It's up to you. We all have free will. But if you feel just an ounce of what is this that this guy's talking about, look into it. Watch what happens and and find out for yourself. You know, nobody can convince you. Your your experiences, your environments are going to be what dictate your beliefs. So I can't convince you, nor is that my goal. But hopefully, I, I can persuade you to at least seek and find out for yourself. Yeah, seek and you will find. Amen. Yeah. And and all it takes is just is just one thing and then one thing leads to another and then your perspective is changed. Yeah. Um and you know, I always encourage people to be open minded about anything. Like that's how I got where I, I am now, is just being open minded and curious and 
and yeah. not close-minded. I mean, the ideas, the new ideas like this are uncomfortable because, you know, they are. Mm. Um, That's a but, really good point. Yeah, but if you just sit with the discomfort and, and you know, bask in your curiosity and, and keep keep exploring, you'll find you'll find what's right for you, I think. Yeah, you know, there in the book Invent and Wonder, it's the collective writings of Jeff Bezos and all his teachings that he's ever done. The author is a guy named Walter Isaacson. He wrote Steve Jobs' mm-hmm. biography, Elon Musk's new biography. <laughs> he studied Einstein, Ben Franklin, etc. He says there's four common traits between the most successful people who've ever walked the earth. He said the number one common trait is they're passionately curious. They want to know everything about everything. They, they want, like Einstein, the greatest scientist in history, the smartest man of all time, he was a believer in God. Scientists won't tell you that, but he believed in God. He didn't believe in Jesus, mm-hmm. but he believed in God. And I think his curiosity is probably a big part of what led him to that. He has this note in this, in this book. It's in the intro of Invent and Wonder. He says in a letter he's writing to a friend, he says, uh, you know, you and I never cease to seem to be amazed at this magical thing called life that we've been born into. And I think that's a great way to explore life and approach life is to just be in constant and utter amazement and curiosity about what is this, bro? We get to walk outside and there's these trees and there's a sky and they're like, I've made a habit of just walking outside and immediately looking up, looking at the sun, looking at the moon, looking Mm -hmm. at the stars and just being like, what is this, bro? What is this? And it, it separates you from all of the little distractions like your phone and your followers and all this bullshit. Just look, whether you believe in God or not, this is a miracle that we are here. It is a miracle. And so be constantly curious about that miracle that we've been born into and start to ask yourself questions about it. The most successful people ask the best questions. They ask themselves the best questions and that's how they get where they go. Awesome, man. And yeah. I think this leads us great into um the next or the last part is i always ask people on the show um when we wrap up what is one message you would share with the whole world what would you tell everybody if they were listening to you right now it's a tough one You are going to die. If you live every day like it is your last day, eventually you will be right. You will not wake up one day. This life is a blink of an eye on a tadpole, dude. It it is so quick. So making the most out of your life. I think starts with understanding the impermanence of it all. That one day you will not be here. The things you worry about, the things you think about, the things that stress you out, they don't matter. They don't matter. One day you will be gone. So you might as well make the most of it while you're here. Beautiful, man. Matt, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you, bro. I had an awesome time. You guys can't Great see it, conversation. Shaking hands. Yeah, shaking hands. His dog, Scoop, is in my lap. She's been <laughs> such a good girl. Uh, Happy New Year to everyone who's Happy listened. Year, thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you guys have a great rest of your day. And crush your New Year, guys. Peace. You're going to die. <laughs> <laughs>